The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. My people, my people, what's good? Gregory G, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's uh, Today is a miracle that I was able to set up all this technology. I don't know why it's always a struggle, but today <laughs> we overcame. <laughs> what what fun would life be if it was not a struggle sometimes bro you know oh no it'd be great if it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> i dig, dig this y'all we greg and i were coming up off of our sixth annual sana music workshop which which was the greatest workshop we put on in, ever and at least in this lifetime and so we're I, bro, I don't know about you but today it hit me and i was a young i just need to lay on the floor all day and just not move because mentally and physically, I was just drained, bro. But but for for a good reason. Amen. I, I second that. Except I spent the entire day running around trying to buy clothes for a month in Europe and get uh, prepared for that. So I think tomorrow I might I might do the, what you did today. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was a fantastic workshop. And again, we got to commend all the young people who came out. They were some of the man most intelligent, talented, hardworking, uh, kind, and uh, respectful cats we could have possibly worked with and thank you to all the guest artists all the teachers everyone who came on out and made this possible it was That's an right. absolutely wonderful wonderful workshop big big shout out to all of our sponsors uh isotope hotel indigo and uh i'm not gonna name them all because it's a whole bunch y'all the city of new orleans and, and uh, jazz and heritage foundation you know y'all made this possible and uh hey so in next week we start all over man <laughs> one year is worth the work Fundraising. Here we go. Woo! If you're listening to this, we are a nonprofit. So if y'all want to give us some money to help us keep these things going, please do that. Um, but without further ado, Greg, I do want to talk about tonight's guest, who, uh, in my opinion, you know, we're lucky because every week we have geniuses on this show. And, and Candace Hoyce is definitely one of those people. Uh, her creativity, her artistry, uh, her community service. And, and her intellect, man, all serve the purpose of who she is. And, and, and it's just true greatness. And y'all about to get a real taste in this next hour of, of her magic. And I can't wait for y'all to meet her. Uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. So why don't we <laughs> with the, do it? Oh, let's do it. Come on. Working on this project. Candace, you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for that generous introduction. Oh, absolutely. Yo, I, I did want to ask you, so did the, the your, your latest uh, release, Zora's Moon, the song you sent us, that's from that record, no? Yes, well, it's, a, um, it's an EP that I put out in November. It's pretty recent, uh, especially when we talk about a working artist project and salute to Greg, shout out to Greg. Didn't want to just jump into <laughs> Darian. So good to see you. Um, I got to say that first off. Thank you for having me, y'all. Um, 
So, so Blue Lagoon Woman is my most current uh, EP that I put out in November. And the music I shared with you is um, some of the music um, that led to that EP and is on the EP. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite current for me. That's what's up. Yeah, because, you know, with the pandemic and everything, current is at this point is three years. It's like, yeah, anything- that's right. The three years happened to me yesterday. At this That's point. right. Yeah, That's this right. This pandemic was three years ago or two years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, very much so. I mean, especially as, as we're talking about working artists. So I've, like I'm having some firsts all the time, even pertaining to the single Zora's Moon that I put out in 2020 that I wrote in like 2017 but that all that all has to do with the way that I like to work. And I, you know, I the way I hold, see my whole career is um, about trying to make my contribution in uh, it, for the sake of longevity and um, and what I can contribute to the music and to the world. But longevity is a is a thing that's always in my mind in my my relationship with that. So I released the music as I could afford to, and also not just to drop it into uh, a hole um, because I have, I think we've all played shows that we feel like it may have was, be such a glorious experience, but perhaps didn't reach as many people as we would have liked. And um, for these pieces and for this work, um, this project and the ones that will be coming, I want to continue to connect with more people. I realized while we were inside um, in the way that we were and for the reason that we were, how much I love connecting with people through music. It's, it's um, a big part of me. And so that's now going to be part of how I decide when to drop things. It's like, how can I make sure that I connect and make impact with this release. So the, the whole like timing of everything uh, may be secondary sometimes. It's more about longevity to me. So it kind of, it, it is recent though. I mean, I just only toured it uh, for the first time in March, which is like, like you said, quite wacky for us. Right, right. No, absolutely. I, I like that theme, longevity. And I, I want to play on that, Greg, today because, uh, you know, that's one question that every time I meet uh, an elder in this music, I always ask them, how do you do this forever? Mm. And like, I don't ask them how you play fast. And that's some bullshit. Like, how are you 85? In, you know what I mean? How do you die doing the thing that you love? And, uh, you know, the answers they give are usually kind of the same. And it's just like, just don't stop. Yes. That's, that's what I get to. Yeah, right. That's simple, but difficult. And I kind of want to see what you think think about not stopping, in, especially in the face of a adversity. Like we like to call it here, proactive perseverance. Proactive perseverance. I love that. I think it's something. It's a lesson. You know, we can we ask, and I I love those conversations too. That's part of the privilege. When people ask why we may not do something that's a faster transaction than being a performing artist, uh, part of the privilege is we get to have these in-person experiences with our audiences and different places and spaces, but also these 
um, great artists who precede us, who are alive in establishing their own style every time they play, but also joining this bigger picture. So we get to have these type of conversations that Darian's referencing, like we're asked for advice, asked for reflections, take that with us. And um, gee, I mean, I think, uh, gosh, I lost myself in, in the thought. <laughs> what was the question? So we were talking about longevity and, longevity. and I, you know, that's, that's, this is also funny because like, that's a word I think about too. And I think like the idea of why, uh, why I enjoy the, the, the word working artist, mm -hmm. working means you can do this forever. <laughs> if you can find a way to make it work, but yeah, yeah, we, we were digging into why, what, what longevity meant to you in your career. Why I reference longevity. Yes. So the, so what I, Oh, well, this is what I wanted to say with all of that said, we have this distinct privilege to get the information directly from people we admire or we look to, up to. That was what I was the the I I was going to say. I think it's something that we teach to ourselves. And those answers that you get, like Darian, I often get the same sort of simple answer. Like I had a the great privilege of, um, which led to other wonderful opportunities, but um, kind of initially uh, got to meet a artist I love, Dee Dee Bridgewater, the jazz master, um, you know, the boss. And uh, I asked her, how did you get, and this was a couple of years ago, she's since released more um, albums, but I said, how did you get to 21 albums? Because that's one of my, that's just what I wanted to ask on that day. And she said, one at a time. She said, one at a time. She said, I didn't have a master design that I was going to, you know, arc this way. Um, but I think that, I think that we have to, I'm sure, you know, we got into more of the particulars too. I'm, I'm a mom and she's a mother. And we talked about how some of these, um, you know, developments in our personal lives shape the way that we we run across time. Um, and then another sensibility about, um, or aspect of longevity that's important to me is just that the work is enduring. It's a reflection of where I am right now. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it is a um, it's a revealing look into certain layers and parts of me. Um, hopefully, that I'm challenging myself myself to discover and then sharing, and that it's something that will always reflect me, um, some essence of me. With Blue Lagoon Woman, uh, Blue Lagoon is this place in Jamaica. My family is all Jamaican except for my generation that was born here on both sides. And I came to find out during the pandemic that uh, four generations of my family on my father's side go to this, uh, link back to this place in Portland, Jamaica, um, where there is this natural phenomenon called the Blue Lagoon. It's, uh, it's like um, almost has a glow to it because where the salty seawater and the fresh mountain water meet, it gives a sort of phosphorescent glow at night and adds to a color um, in the water. Well, it's not phosphorescent, that's a different body. There's another phosphorescent location, um, but this, this, the, the mingling of the two types of water creates this intense color. And it's something that I've um, seen in images 
um, but never seen in person. And so I started thinking a lot about experiencing this place and how I connect to my heritage through art and how important my imagination has been in helping me to find my way. So, you know, you were asking about longevity in this time when we were um, moving through the pandemic. And I think like being able to pull on my, the longevity of my roots, the long, the depth of my imagination, try to um, use that as a lens to how am I going to put the work out and what would I, how would I, you know, um, how would I frame it? What is this thing? And what am I, if I'm not doing the thing that I'm used to doing in the way that I'm used to doing it? So all that's to say, I have like several different parameters for how I think of longevity with music. But the main thing is I do think that it's self-definition. I do think we define it for ourselves. You, we all know that because we have homies that did not, not to make it sound dramatic, but like who are not, maybe not going to come back into this life that we were in. And, you know, that's fine too. But it's, what I'm saying is it's always a choice. Every day you wake up, you want to choose it again, choose it again, choose it again. So in that way, like no one can tell you the recipe or the roadmap for longevity. You have to kind of um, align with it every day. I couldn't agree with that more. And that's, that's so eloquently and beautifully stated. And as you were speaking, I, I did Google the, uh, the the Blue Lagoon in Jamaica, and that looks absolutely gorgeous. And I hope that I get an opportunity to visit there one day. <laughs> and I can see why that would be such an inspirational scenery uh, in your life. But yeah, when you say again, like the longevity is like coming back to it every single day. And I think like, you know, both Darian and I, we love to talk about our whys as to, you know, why we decide to come back every single day. You know, some days it's easier than others. Um, but I was wondering if you could dig into um, like why why music, why art, like what keeps you coming back in, 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 in pursuing this longevity in your career? I think I was... Greg, I was really thinking about that too. I'm the first um, working artist in my family. And part of that is a great, great privilege um, because the generations that came before me, including my parents, couldn't even imagine um, having those kind of options and choices and feeling that rooted and that loved and supported in doing this you know, type of work something creative like this um and that said i don't know that i um it will ever be crystal clearer than why i do this because i had um so many other experiences and i i um yeah i i could have taken different um professional paths and things like that i'd say um the why for me why music it's always been music it's always been music and words. Uh, I think being one of very few um, Black kids at my school and growing up in the suburbs um, in Long Island and then Florida, Evoca, um, there was a duality. There was the outside world of school and like the community that we lived in and then cities. And then there was this interior life 
a Jamaican household with sounds, um, lots of music, lots of dancing, lots of laughter, amazing um, narratives and, and um, storytelling and jokes and limericks and um, colloquialisms and food and a lot of my imagining what it was like to be where my parents were from, the imagined home. Um, and so music really helped me to integrate all those things. And I always love to read. And um, like so many musicians, I think we are much more on the introverted side than people might suspect, even though we're in the middle of, you know, everyone's looking at us. And I think it was through singing that I became more of a um, outward facing person, but I spent a lot of my childhood as an inward facing person. Like what, what could that be like? Or even deciphering Patois and being like, what are they saying? And the musical nature of the way that they talk. I mean, I'm sure Darian, you sometimes listen to people in, you know, in Jackson and you like, you hear somebody tell a story and it's so musical. And um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I so I'm always it just it was there. And then, of course, like piano lessons. Thank God. My mom was like, my child's going to have piano lessons. So I started piano when I was six, started singing in church, started singing at school after that, started getting curious um, about singing in other languages and started memorizing a lot of uh, theater and um, classical works and opera, started listening to the things my grandfather listened to, which was a lot of jazz. Um, Billie Holiday, he used to, I mean, my grandparents immigrated to Harlem in the 1920s, right? 30s, 30s, 1930s. They were, yeah, late 30s, early 40s. Is that right? I think so. Late, maybe, let's say 19. I'll have to find that date, but late, late thirties or or forties. Any case, they were seeing all the big bands. They were going out every night, uh, and um, they lived in one of the jazz buildings in Queens, where uh, you know Louis Armstrong was always driving past, and um, Cannonball Adderley lived in the building for a time. Um, and um, the Heath brothers and Mr. Mr. Jimmy Heath, rest in peace. And he, he was a great friend of my grand, grandparents, um, he and, and Mona. And um, so I, and I, at that time, I didn't know what I was, what was going on. I was very, very small, but they were there. And then I have to say, this is such a beautiful aspect of the story because I got to speak with um, Mrs. Heath, Miss Mona, um, like years later, and she saw my name. The two of them were at Jazz at Lincoln Center and they saw my name in a program. And they said, could that be Ivan and Khan's grandbaby? Could that be the same hoys? And um, they actually listened to my music. We had a great time. And uh, this is after my grandfather had already passed. That's to say, I think there are just many magical reasons why music and like, I would say there were always other choices because that was a privilege of my upbringing. I could have gone other ways, but I 
there was always enticements uh, and always, I think, through music, chances for me to know more about myself. So I always kept taking them. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting here just thinking about two things that you just said a lot. And that was all uh, actually very amazing to be connected with those kinds of people at such an early age. But the, the, the notion of imagination and having to go inside, because I don't know if people realize this, but all artists spend probably 15 years alone in a dark cave, <laughs> honing a craft. You in there singing, just, uh, just singing different vocal exercises. Greg is playing fucking long tones and I'm playing quarter notes for years. Bop. That's it. By yourself. It's, you know, and, and, and so like, yeah, I'm not an introverted person. Greg is though. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love being introverted. It's, yes. it's like, you know, but I do think that because you do spend so much time alone, you get used to, to that energy. And, and because you spend so much time alone, you get used to using your imagination, you know, and, and it takes imagination to be creative. Because it's very challenging, especially in our music, because it's very challenging. Every night you got to come out and you got to be, you got to be naked and you got to try to create something new. Even if it's you using the same language, it's like we're talking right now, we're using the same words, but this is like new every day because we've never had this conversation before. And that that's kind of the pressure of this, of this music, you know, and to, yes. to like realize that you were exercising it as a kid, you know listening to people speak Patois, like the same way when I'm listening to people in Mississippi speak real country, you know? And then when you, when you like now being gone out of Mississippi for so long, you know, that when I do hear that, that tone in, in, in those long eyes, it takes me back to my grandma's house, you know, or back yes. to my auntie listening to B.B. King and it's hot as hell, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you go right back into to those places. So, I don't know, just you telling that story just reminded me of how special those moments were then and how special they are now when you get to go back in time through the vessel of imagination. And when people, if people need to know more, first of all, yes, everything you just said. And if people need to know more about like an example of what I mean by the interior life, I've never said that before uh, about Patwa. I don't think I, I don't know, even it's totally improvisatory that I made that connection right now. Although I've been living with it forever. I don't know what it was that made me say that today, but it's true. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, I think we need to talk about the inner space too, because as, as, you, as you guys are both talking about that, it's reminding me of what my mentor Alvin Batiste used to say, and he would, he would introduce his shows. So he called his band, called, they were called the Jastronauts. Mm. And he would say, he would welcome everyone to the show. And he's like, and we'd like you to delve into inner space with us. <laughs> and I think like too, like, you know, adding on to like the, the practice room and the shedding and all that kind of stuff. And I think what, what artists too, the, the benefit of that is, is not only the focus that we gain, but the time we get to spend with ourselves, you know, we, we get all that time in a room, we get to address all these questions. Like, who am I? What am I made of? What do I love? Cause I guess maybe going back to the longevity, like, I mean, there's, there's no reason to go to the practice room every day for five hours or three hours or whatever it is that you want, especially as a kid, when everyone else is hanging out, when you're in college, they're, they're going to parties and things like that. But 
Yeah, I, I, I bring it back to that that inner space, that that time you get to spend with yourself, and and then also like you know learning, you get to spend time with the masters vicariously through listening and and things of that sort. But yeah, the inner space, it all starts there to me. The the, the journey of an artist. And I had to say, um, the more congested my career gets, and I don't mean this to sound like like derogatory about it, but you know, there's just a lot of elements that you have to do, especially once you start wanting to be a recording artist and releasing your own music and even trying to find your way through that to someone who would help you release it. The practice time becomes more scary because for me, I mean, I have been, I'm a practice dodger. I have to like practically thumbtack myself. Like you better sit down. Like, like you got to practice stop tweeting you don't you know no you can't figure out tiktok right now like you can't find an attorney right now like you haven't practiced after you know i kind of have to and i i mean for me it, it is particular i have two children they're young um the pandemic for me was there was no sourdough um banana bread making time for me I was like homeschooling and also decided spiritually and politically and creatively that I wanted to start putting my music out somehow and so I put it out in these small doses these singles but the singles I chose were not like the most expedient singles they were not like covers they were originals Man, I don't know. I, that's what I. That's what my spirit said to do. So, but I'm, I mean, of course, I, I, I did know. I did know. I did what I, what I believed, and um, it was very, very, very rich and fruitful. But all that's to say that those quiet moments for me sometimes in juggling them with the um, more presentational things, the more administrative things, the more business things, and finding being able to set those things down and then go to my my quietude is is kind of still hard i still i still even at this like stage i still feel like it's a challenge um i just don't for me personally i i don't completely unplug too much because i have i mean yeah i just don't i would say i know i know other colleagues i'm sure y'all do too who just like be on their own planet in a good way. And I would love to do that um, for a spell. I think about residencies and things. Um, and I wonder like how long would be possible. And then I wonder if it's not just something I could just instill in myself. Mm. And I think being an artist and uh, continuing to work is essential that you do just instill certain things in yourself. Cause you don't know when, how, I mean, not everyone can take a month to go somewhere and, and write. I, I like the transparency with this because, <laughs> you know, just because I, I do remember in college, you know, when your professors are yelling at you and, and st- you know, I didn't go to school for music, but I was still around those guys and they were, I was like, Hey man, you're not going to have time like this to practice ever again in your life. And especially when the babies come, I just, I got a, she's almost two, my kid. And, you know, yeah, my son is three. See, I hear you. It ain't no, 
little <laughs> it's like you know i'm tired in the motherfucker today but i was outside playing in the pool with her you know that just like and up at 6 30 and not to practice no not to, to make food touch no drums today like I'll, I'll play the drums on wednesday when i get back on the road but i'm home for a couple of days so i gotta focus on my family so you don't have that same space when you reach a certain point in your life even though you need it's like i see cats practicing i was like i need to do that too but I- me too but truth be told one of my close closest friends um is a painter and she had a major surgery in her early 30s and she talks about it publicly and um she had to stop work painting and repair her body so what i mean to say is i hope darian that my hope for myself is like that i don't as hard as things can be to picture sometimes there's like a fog um around how to move forward that i i think we must never feel alone in that because the other thing that can happen when, when life is like um, overtaking your artistic process, it can, you can instantly be like, I suck, (laughs) you know, like that's because I'm not, you know, we're so used to in the same vein of like being in the practice room and it's like, who is going to make me sing like, you know, Ella or whoever, who me, the lesson is just, it's a nice experience. It's, you know, it's a blessing. The one that can do this is me. So, and we know that, right? That said, oh, I mean, we have to give ourselves some grace. We have to remember we're not alone. And so just taking the big picture and again, try to give ourselves some grace about it. Um, that's hard still for me. Absolutely. While we talking about practice, to quote the great Allen Iverson, I want, <laughs> I want talk to talk about practice. Talk about practice here. Practice. Are we gonna talk about my dunk? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't we take a moment now to listen to your the, your sounds and uh, okay? I think this one is called Rain. Too much of it as much of a vibe as that is you know I can't, they gotta go out and buy that record thank you <laughs> watch the video watch i the- made a video oh, it's on youtube it's on youtube a music video go ahead tell them how they can find that since we're here 
Well, my YouTube channel is official Candace Hoys. And there's just about a million um, twists and turns as far as how I got that video made on a budget. Um, it was very much, um, well, the, I worked in partnership with an amazing um, young black director named Milo Butler, um, who made an amazing awarded, um, like highly awarded short film called uh, Sundown Town, which is a horror film about um, sundown towns in the United States, which for those of y'all who aren't unfamiliar with the term, there's certain towns in the U.S., even to this day, but most, most, um, most typically uh, in decades past that were so um, like treacherously racist and violent for black people that we were forbidden to um, drive through them or be seen in public after sundown. And it was kind of like some sort of um, just uh, understanding cultural understanding that if you are black and out in these sundown towns, like at night, that your life was in danger. So I saw that and I said, this, this, this artist is fascinating. And I think he could help me uh, like work with, uh, you know, we worked on rain and we also, he shot um, a lot of the, the video I did before. Uh, called Zora's Moon, which is a remix, the remix of that song. Um, so I had put out three videos. I put out three music videos um, since the pandemic started. Um, I mentioned the Sundown Town because I just think his, uh, the economy that he used to tell such a, like, dimension stories what kind of made me want to work with him a lot. And he did that when he was still in school. So I liked, I always find a lot of inspiration, like in people who can make something um, small, but mighty. And uh, so that was what brought us together. But Rain was not easy to make. I came up with this concept. Um, I made it on a few hundred dollars, the, the video, not, not the song. <laughs> I'll tell you about the song too, if you like. Um, but the video I made in just one room with Milo um, creating the lights around this um, color palette that related to the cover of Blue Lagoon uh, Woman, which is blue and purple and um, kind of um, violet tones. And I wanted to create effect of rain. So we, were, we had one of... Um, his friends spraying water on a plexiglass. I had to go to Home Depot and like my whole hair and makeup for the video and carry this plexiglass. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And uh, it started to actually rain on me, like the song says, um, which is not good with my hair, which is quite large and like the makeup and everything. So I'm holding this, running out of the Home Depot to the studio to shoot with Milo holding my own plexiglass and like uh, I asked I talked to my husband and I was like this is what's happening and he's like are you sure that this is this is all going to come together I was like it has to come together it I'm holding the plexiglass what am I going to do with this plexiglass like it has to come together now so um, I tell you this story because this is kind of how if people are looking from the outside and like wow Look at that video. 
I'm doing a lot of the video. I come up with the concepts. I am doing a lot of production work. I am directing from um, behind the can. I mean, in front of the camera. I'm very carefully picking the right artists who get me and like don't mind going super deep into something, even on an economy resources. And I just put a lot of thought into it. And also the rain thing really reminded me, the song is obviously the song um, that was um, first recorded by SWV in the nineties, inspired by um, Portrait of Tracy by Jacob Pistorius. Uh, and so the sort of reference to the rainy R&B video is, is, a, is a period reference <laughs> to the 90s music that I love. And um, on the track, you can hear uh, the incredible Keon Harold and the wonderful Casey Benjamin on vocoder and Casey also produced. And you also hear Mark Collenberg on the drums and Chris Parks on the guitar and the bass, not guitar on that one, just bass and Sullivan Fortner on keys. So, um, not bad. No, it's it's a wonderful. All right, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a good old time. We had a good time. We had a really good time. And actually that song, I, I didn't know we were going to do that one. I was more focused on my originals and I put up a a cover of it on my Instagram and it was Mark and he's like, yo, and Casey too. They were like, that would be a really good one for us to do. Just flip it. And actually I'd say about that song too, this is, so I started singing as a classical singer. I went to music school for classical voice. The first five years after school was as an opera singer principally. And I came to Casey with the rain. It wasn't even, no, it wasn't for rain, but I was like, there's this motif from Chanson de Bilitis, which is a song cycle by Debussy about yearning um it's sung by a woman but the the voices of a like 13 year old boy who's moving into puberty and it it has all of this sense of sensuality and yearning and fluidity and I took this motif I was like I'd like us to find a way to work this motif and into um I think it was a different one but it ended up in rain And the motif from Chanson de Bilitis is like. I might have, you know, botched it a bit, but that's the shape of the of the motif. So um, I, I, I these are the ways that I reimagine a cover. I'll take another aspect of something and maybe let it in if it occurs to me and I don't rule things out as like that sounds like a crazy idea not everything makes it into the tune or the interpretation but I don't judge before I you know express it so that's that and then Keon oh I think he just sounds amazing on that and he's he's a real joy to work with and uh that was how I, I guess I had met, maybe I met him once, but that was the first time we worked together was on that song. I love, I love hearing uh, a little bit about people's processes in, in creation. 
Um, so going back to what kind of what we were talking about earlier, how do you how do you find the space with with all the things that you have going on to give all of these songs the time and, and diligence that they deserve? How, how do you make that space in your life? It's uh, hmm, what would be a good analogy for how I make space? I just take windows it's like I'm looking at, you can see all these buildings. I just take windows in a day that's kind of full, like full of bricks, looks quite solid. And then I just take windows and I might go in one and come out another one. That's kind of how my days are. That's how my time has been because my older child is 10. So I've, I've been a um, working artist who's a mother, which is distinctive from being a parent. Um, respectfully but you know it is i had to make the, the people so no, um, <laughs> <laughs> you did the hard part yes and in fact rain i i um and all these things that people will be hearing from me as soon as i get all the business parts where they're supposed to be <laughs> um i recorded pregnant so that was a once in a lifetime experience for me um, as far as creating time, though, that is probably the best analogy. I have windows and I try to dive into them. If I have an idea, I track it, whether it's a voice memo or um, uh, lots of notes. I have so many legal pads and um, I, or imagery. Like even as I told you, I knew I had this color palette. I knew I had this concept of of bringing in rain. Like I remember, you know, there's just so many nineties videos and two thousands videos and people are like in the rain, in the street, you know, I said, that would be, that, that is evocative for me of the, like the first time I, I've loved SWV. So I keep those things and I just keep tabs and I don't judge them as far as logistically how I manage my time, which is probably, a good thing because that's what we talk about on this podcast. I I do a few things, you know. When Darian and I were together, we did a wonderful engagement with uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center in their education department. But we performed in a band, and um, we were working in partnership with City University of New York. And the way that that came about, um, because it's actually figured quite largely into my last five years of my career um, is in 2017, I played a show at Bard and it was a show on jazz in Paris. And as is my way, I gave a lot of historical context. I love history. I was a sociology major, African-American studies major. And that's part of why I love opera so much is I like to know, I like the archives. I like the, um, all the underpinnings of the stories and the music and the people. And I also think it's a powerful opportunity for, for us when we, I'm not, I'm grateful to the subscribers, but I'm also dealing in how do we bring in people who, who are not familiar with music, like my family. And um, I think history and politics and social context is, is a great opportunity. So I'm at Bard, I'm doing my thing on jazz and Paris and integration and, um, and Seton Hawkins from Jazz Lincoln Center heard me do this, and it was basically a performance lecture. And that gave me the opportunity to do one of them at Jazz Lincoln Center subsequently. And then that turned into the last, you know, four, uh, five years, 
I'm doing another one July 30 with Jazz at Lincoln Center in Caramore on Duke Ellington. Um, doing a, a concert with Damien Sneed, a duo, the great pianist and composer. And we're going to talk about the first thing I recorded ever, which is on a turquoise cloud, which is a collection of Duke Ellington songs, uh, vocalises specifically inspired by soprano singing, uh, classically trained um, read black women, because those were the vocalists he wrote for um, initially that inspired the sound that brought the jazz club and the concert hall together sonically. And um, of course, not just performing the music for me, but also saying why, you know, we still have quite a color barrier and a racial barrier in the performing arts in certain spheres. And like, I have so many stories and life experiences, but I try to take the music and play it in a way that is spacious enough to put my story across. And so I guess I make the most of my time that way too. Like, you know, Darian was, no, it was you, Greg, you were saying that we contemplate who we are when we're in that room by ourselves. And so I just started doing it in public and that's how I met Darian. But see, it does bring good people into your life because you're actually being very, very uh, candid. I, I think, Darian, I have to tell you, though, back when we did the, the, the performance lecture at Jazz Lincoln Center, I was still like in a cold sweat. I was so nervous about those things at first. It was so hard because the way I wanted to do it, my vision was I would sing and talk and sing and talk. I don't sometimes I'll do a chunk if the school or the client asked me to or the presenter. But oftentimes I, I ping pong and um, it's kind of hard. I, I think I have a good knack for it now. And now I do it everywhere. I do it for all kinds of clients. Um, so, and I like it. Like I said, I like playing for people who are not, maybe it's like being in New York for a long time. I like playing for people who are not aficionados and critics. I love it. <laughs> it's better. It's better not to play for the jazz nerds. Uh, if you're a jazz nerd and you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but you guys. Oh, and we love you. We love you too. Yeah, you we, get love. We need you too, but. Yeah, we kind of need you, but you know. <laughs> but it's like a freeing feeling when you're relating on a on another. Um, it's good for me. It's, let me put it that way. You know, Darian and Greg, it's and y'all, everybody listening. It's just like we all have to figure out what what's healthy for us and that's what's good for me is to sometimes shake myself out of the hamster wheel of like you know performing to be reviewed to be accepted to be uh, welcomed into another thing to perform and be reviewed it's just it's only one thing it's only one part of, of the whole thing man okay I do before we get into the end, but I do want to bring this one thing up and uh because you are an intellectual. And I just want to hear what you you and Greg have to say about this. But I, I was telling my wife the other day, it was like I, I came home and, and I realized that I was addicted to the applause. And and what I mean, like, like you know, because you only get it on the bandstand, like after not having it for two years, right? And then you get back to the road and I was like, oh shit, like the high 
I was like, oh man, this is kind of nice when people walk up to you and say that you're the greatest they've ever seen. <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's not true, but, or maybe it is true, but it feels, <laughs> it feels really good to be praised, you know, and it, and it's really addictive. And then when you come home and no one cares and you just a dude <laughs> or you just a woman or whatever. Yeah. Take that cape off. Yeah. Just be a person. I, what do y'all, do y'all feel that? Or is it just me? <laughs> Am I just a narcissistic asshole? <laughs> Greg's I like, get, yeah. I get the applause every time I walk home. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing something right. Dude. I got to get my life together. <laughs> I got the dog. <laughs> uh, I think we appreciate it. It's love. Everybody wants love, right? We have to be honest about that. And the truth is, when we listen to somebody we love who's not here anymore, we feel love. You know, you can't listen to, uh, you know, Nat King Cole's voice and not feel love. We feel love. We like, there are different ways to have that, that sensation, Darian, but like not to skirt your question at all. Like, uh, those live streams were not the same for me because uh, of the lack of it. Sometimes it's applause. Sometimes it's a laugh. Sometimes it's that like um, bated breath of them when they're waiting to hear something. And when we have them, you know, listening, um, it's the presence. It's the, it's the touch. It's like it's a, the presence of an audience is like my thing. So I hear you. I mean, I missed, I missed all the human interaction parts. And basically what I did was the way I coped with it was I went into the archives and I went into, um, I, I started working on videos and I started working on like mixed media, um, meaning I started creating projections and teaching myself how to do that. Um, because I wanted to find a way to make the music making more immersive. But it was really, I think, highly inspired by wanting to connect, like you're saying, like, uh, it's not so vain. It's not really a because they're, they're clapping, but they're clapping because they feel like a child because we put them in a in a in a feel that they wanted to feel like it's not if people could understand it's not people don't really, really. I mean, sometimes they clap for us. You're right. Like it's a some, sometimes sometimes they just be clapping because it's like it feels great. They're dancing. They're saying the words. They're they're just happy. And it was a it was a devastating, um, grief stricken years and a lot of atrocities and a lot of things you can't explain to your children and a lot of things you have to explain to your children and like, and a lot of uncertainty. I missed knowing what I was going to do. And that, you know, there's like the missing the applause is probably the sunniest part of it, but there was a lot of uncertainty for us as artists. Um, yeah. Wow. And I, I guess, I guess I want to say, I want to just say something since we're on, you know, on this wonderful broadcast the just to 
take a, a second, this is a bit unrelated, but in tribute and paying respects to Megan Stabile, uh, who we lost in the jazz community last week. I haven't actually spoken um, on a show until I was here uh, at Working Artists Project, uh, the Working Artists Project. And I just wanted to just say, uh, I've just been thinking so many different things uh, and feeling the loss in many ways. Uh, we were not close personal friends, um, but I have a, a, a ton of, of gratitude for her, her gifts and her talent. And I just wanted to say something because she, she deserves. <laughs> so. Yeah. I second that. Uh, yeah. That was surprising and shocking. And, and I didn't really know her at all either. Just, you, you know, but I did see her around and to me, she was a goddess who, who produced all of these shows and so talented and I was just always afraid to even say hello. But I all saw her as Ink Bar, like, wow, that's Megan, you know, or my friends were working with her. I go see the shows and be like, wow, man, that's like she produced so much, so much dope stuff. And she believed in the artist and she believed in, in this this scene. So I think that that is a wonderful, that might be why it was important for me to say her name today, because uh, we all share that that esteem for her huge talent. And also I want to, it's a way of my saying that I feel this is a very important thing you're doing you and Greg to make this show because we need more spaces where we can talk about how we're doing and how it feels because it matters. It's not just if it's a dope song or whatever, or a great show, it matters how we're doing. And it matters that we stay talking to each other and connect and not just backstage for a second. Like what you're doing is very, very important. And I think if there are other people listening, which there are, I mean, to say who are not maybe as, as cemented in their, in their journey as we are, or like, maybe we're not cemented, but you know what I mean? Like, like we know we're doing this. If there are people who are on the fence, this is a very vital part of the process is keeping this conversation alive. Um, there, there are always going to be times that are difficult, and I think having each other is is how you the longevity thing. Like, is how you keep wanting to do this. It's like we have to let ourselves be vulnerable to each other and talk. Absolutely, I love that too. And just to bring this back to the applause too, I think it, tying everything in a nice little bow. I think the reason why the applause is so powerful is that you know when we're on stage playing a good show playing good music we're connecting with people and you know we're showing you know we're, we're being vulnerable we're opening our hearts opening our souls showing all showing all the work and, and love we've put into our art and sharing it with people and we're creating connections and i think i think the applause is the way of the audience reciprocating that back to the artist you know showing the love back and i think that's that's probably that's why it's addictive because it's it's a hum it's like human connection you know we're we're all in the same room we're showing each other love we're connecting and we're all kind of like you know bowing down to the power that uh of music and the power of the arts and the power up above and all around us so i think i think 
and even what we do here too it's you know we're just we're just connecting and i think that's one of the most important things that we need to always continue to do is 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 create uh spaces for us to connect because we're humans and uh the moment that goes we that's i don't know what we become at that point well we feel very alienated right uh, we exactly. feel alone in it so. and, I, and i love that you did mention earlier too it's like we're you're not alone going through this process you know we're always together there's always someone else going through it but there's that perception in a transactional capitalist society there's that perception that you are that weak link if you can't deliver you can't post you can't this 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 i mean yeah you can't talk about making music and making art without talking about the pacing and you know even what what Dar and even just the choices like you know darian was saying he chose to be outside and not you know behind his kit or what have you or his his laptop he was at, in the pool and it's just you just have to have a certain um, knowledge of self uh, about what you're doing, when you can do it, and, and a trust and a faith that your life will accommodate all the, the dreams that you want to you work on and that you want to do. And it's not going to look necessarily like anybody else's and it's not going to necessarily look like what you imagine when you set out. Um, but I think I'll, tell, I'll share with you... Um, the other song that I released that is I'll be performing on WNYC on Wednesday is called Zora's Moon and it features Joel Ross, the vibraphonist and composer. And it's inspired by the great writer Zora Neale Hurston. She's not just a writer, she was the first black non-silent black woman filmmaker, anthropologist. She's a cultural pioneer and uh, she, her writing has always inspired me since I read Their Eyes Were Watching God. And the reason I, want, I came up with that song was I heard in my research her tell a story on the radio about being a moon, uh, child of seven and, and believing that the moon was following her at night when she ran. And I thought about how powerful it was that she... Um, envision herself so large and so powerful at such a tender age of seven and being a black child in the twenties in the South in Florida and still having this, this, this cosmic vision for herself, mm. cosmic Zora. And I also thought when I heard that, <clears throat> that that's got to be the way that you get that longevity in the arts. It's like you got to have a cosmic sense of, of this is what I'm doing. And yes, like I have to take the subway and yes, I, you know, have to teach this semester and I'm not going to be performing or what have you and let let those those things slide, but have a cosmic sense of this is this is the music I'm making. And so I wanted that and I sampled her voice because I wanted she also her arc, her her um, she she. When she passed away, she was disenfranchised. She didn't make the money for herself that many people made off of her, and which is endemic to um, Black artists. And it was a story I wanted to tell through her own voice, but inside of my song. And so every person who hears Zora's Moon hears her story in that way. It's like, I always say it's a sonic monument. And, um, 
that's the type of project that I will always, you'll always find me doing and it'll be on different time timetables and in different contexts, but that's, that's my, that's my, my bag. That's my, that's what makes me get up in the morning. I love that. Listen, this, this is really unfortunate that we only have, we, this is a one hour show. <laughs> <laughs> Did right. we make it? We made it. We made it. I just looked. <laughs> Before we go, I, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody where they can, you know, buy this record. And sure. I just stream it. I hope you got somewhere they can buy it. Yes, you can buy my EP, Blue Lagoon Woman, on Bandcamp. You can buy something like this that says Zora's Moon that I designed. Um, on my website, CandiceHoys.com. And you can buy a ticket and come see me uh, at Jazz at Lincoln Center and Caramore on July 30. And you can stay locked in to Working Artist Project. And you can make your contributions um, to this podcast because we need this community it's what sustains us, really. There's the applause, and we love it, but we really need each other. That's what we really need. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, Candace, thank you. And y'all, go out there, go to Bandcamp, go to her website, <laughs> buy all her gear. And <laughs> <laughs> we, this is July 2022, if you're on a podcast right now, and it's, it's July 2028. So uh, the show is over. But if you in 2022, go see the show. <laughs> or like, just go to my channels, like, you know, Instagram. I always have more music coming, more performances. And uh, I'm always happy to make new friends. So come say hi if you come to the gig. Get in them DMs. Yeah. Right, <laughs> Candice, thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> my pleasure. Such a, an amazing opportunity to get to hang with you. Thank you. What a wonderful, wonderful space. We continue to to affirm the space and expand this space, the Working Artist Project. I love it. Let me know anytime. I'm I'm always down to, to collaborate. It was great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas. My name is Gregory Ajid. <laughs>